0: Welcome back, everyone, to the AEC Disruptors Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Riddell. Today, we have a special segment of the AEC Disruptors, the Wake Up with BIM segment, brought to you by your friends Applied Software. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to one of my uh, good friends here, Robbie Sadawi. Uh, Robbie, you have become quite the staple on this podcast. Uh, I welcome you.
1: Good morning, Christopher. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. We're here today to talk about a blog post that you wrote called not an issue, case closed. So what inspired you to write that blog?
1: Well, um, over the years I've been, uh, you know, teaching and consulting on uh, clash detection and I've seen clash detection evolve over the years uh, since the early uh, days when Autodesk acquired, uh, you know, uh, Revit back in, you know, in in the late 90s. And uh, we got also Navisworks and back then it was, very few choices to use uh, around this. So, but now we have a few more choices and uh, it came a long way since then.
0: Fantastic. Um, So you're, real quick, you were telling me this morning at breakfast something about its um, BIM's 21st birthday. What were you meaning by that?
1: Well, uh, you know, Autodesk acquired uh, Revit, uh, which is, represents the building information modeling uh, technology uh, in the late 90s, and uh, fast forward, you we're in the you know late to 2019 now. So we're uh, approximately on the 21st birthday of of BEM. So happy birthday BEM! It's awesome. Uh, you know, BEM is now mature uh, and uh, across multiple platforms, and uh, and uh, we are re- ready to take on uh, uh, bigger challenges. Uh, and uh, model coordination is one of them. Uh, okay. And uh, I remember back in the days when we started doing that, it was more of a manual process. So this is a little bit more automated now and it offers a lot of more f- features and, and better workflows.
0: So we have really kind of moved on to, uh, you know, the next generation. We're looking at today, we're talking about BIM 360 uh, model coordination. It's one of sort of the modules of BIM 360. Uh, it's a module that, you know, um, the concept of clash detection has been around for quite a while, but I think we're getting a little more sophisticated in how we do it. So I have to ask you to kind of kick this off. What was the reasoning or the thought behind, you know, calling it not an issue? I mean, what, what was the thought there? Is that something we're seeing in model coordination?
1: Yeah. So you know, there's there's the traditional, uh, clash detection process, uh, and then there is new, the new workflow. And traditionally speaking, you know, the, you know, VDC manager, a BIM manager would receive models from different, uh, end users, whether on the construction side of things, whether on the design side, and then they take them through the, the, it's a long process of uploading the models, aggregating the models, setting up and running the clash detections, review the clashes, create the, generate the clash reports, and then distribute those reports and models across all the different uh, team team members. And then they would have to review them, and then they have to make a decision, can I resolve the clash? yes or no, if it's resolved, that's fine. If it's not resolved, then it goes back and start the process all over again. So in the, in the new uh, uh, workflow process with BIM 360 model coordination, which is the next generation model coordination, um, of course we're taking, uh, just like uh, BIM 360 design, we're taking the models from the desktop, we're putting them on the cloud for a common place for central location for all the, uh, all the users. So it becomes the single source of truth for the project. And that will, uh, in, in a way, uh, makes the model coordination available to everyone, not just to the elite few, the BIM manager and the VDC manager. So we are, uh, in, in a way, democratizing the, the process of the of, of clash detection. And it's like, uh, if you think of it as if you're, if you're cooking a meal in the kitchen and you're... Uh, you can, you can wait until the meal is cooked and you eat the food and then you go back and clean the kitchen and wash the dishes. That's one way to do it. But then you have a huge mess when you do it that way. Exactly. Uh, or you can clean it as you go. Yep. If you clean it as you go, you don't have to end up with a big mess and it becomes less of a chore at the end of the, pro- the process. So uh, in the same process, if you're waiting to resolve 10,000 clashes between mechanical ductwork, pipework and structural framing, good luck with that. You know uh, you're not going to get very very far uh while if you're doing it on a weekly basis uh and 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 make it available to the to the end users just as mechanical engineers and structural engineers and architects who can look at this and make some adjustments to the design uh components um uh, and accordingly uh, as as they as they look at other disciplines uh they then the process becomes much easier and less less digestible you know i mean more digestible so um that's really that's a great
0: analogy because when i think about um when i was in school in college we uh no one did the dishes and they piled up and and i was the one that cracked first so i ended up having to wash every dish we had it was overwhelming and uh, but now that I'm married, and my wife does a lot of the cooking, I clean up while she cooks. And so at the end of the day, we, we have less of a mess. It's not overwhelming. And so comparing it to that it makes a lot of sense. And so I'm, I'm guessing that the beauty or the, the idea behind using something like BIM 360 model coordination is we are able to coordinate more often. And so we can keep track on a more live daily basis of what are the clashes that we have? Um, what are the instances of them? And to your point, if we can clean them up sooner, uh, it's not overwhelming.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so the, the, another thing to, the, to keep in mind is that um, the software that is running these clashes is getting more and more intelligent. Uh, in a way, when you're putting all these models on the cloud, the, the, the clash detection is happening automatically in the background.
0: So it's doing the clashes for
1: us? Exactly. You're not actually having to go set up the clash sets and tell, them, tell the software specifically what to do because all it's doing is taking all the models that you put up there, creating a matrix and clashing each model against every other model.
0: So how is it sorting those clashes?
1: Yeah. So it, it sorts them by type, by object, or by system. So when it does that, you can you can come the end user can come back in a few minutes. The clashes are all run, uh, all possibilities are run, so you can sor- sort and and filter them and dice and slice them any way you want, and the process of resolving the clashes becomes much easier. The issue is like, okay, what is it it's a, is it a system? Is it a type or is it is it something else and 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 to answer your question, uh, back to the initial question. What is not an issue, right? Yeah. Well, uh, it's either an issue or not an issue. An issue means that it needs follow up by the end user. It can be assigned to the end user, such as a mechanical engineer or plumbing or engineer or electrical engineer or structural. And uh, the the end user receives an email uh, prompting them to take action on that with the hyperlink to the actual uh, model or it's not an issue. If it's not an issue, then it can be essentially, uh, it's case closed mm-hmm. and, and can be archived. And so, not an
0: issue would be something like I, I know that my wall is intersecting with the floor over here because that's just how the model was put together, but it's not actually a problem. It's a known thing versus my duct is running right through the center of this beam.
1: Absolutely. Some of the examples I wrote in my uh, blog uh, that, uh, that give some uh, specific examples on what, an, what, what is not an issue. Uh, some of those examples are th- like when you have cable trays or pipes running through uh, just for regular partitions. Is that a problem? No, it's not a problem, you know, uh, because they're not fire uh, rated or they're not structural in nature. So, yeah, it can just run through a gypsum wallboard. Another one, another good one is plumbing fixtures attached to the walls. Well, of course they have to be attached to the walls. Where else are they going to be attached to, right? So where these shows up in your in your 10,000 clashes, the first thing you want to do is 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 uh, is close the case on them and get them out of the way so they, so that you don't have to worry, worry about them anymore. Uh, vertical piping passing through floor slabs is another issue. Is another is another non-issue. Uh, uh, light fixtures interfering with ceilings. Well, of course they are in the ceiling, so they have to interfere. So uh, by, by sorting them in, in, in a way and eliminating the majority of the clashes and making them a non, non an issue, you cl- you're closing the case on them and you're, 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 you're focusing the attention of the end user to the, what matters most.
0: Uh, do you see us getting, or not us, but maybe the model coordination getting to a point where if you say something's not an issue, Do you think we can get to the point where it could use machine learning technology to be able to identify, okay, Robbie said that this is not an issue, therefore I'm going to declassify all the ones that I see and not list them every time so that it can start to learn learn from the behavior of you saying that this light fixture isn't actually interfering with the ceiling. So when you see this, ignore it. Uh, Do you see it potentially getting to that point?
1: Absolutely, I think this is you're right on target. This is what you're talking about. Even is the next next generation of uh, software that's going to become more intelligent and even reduce uh, that the time it will take for us to even look at the non-issue. It will automatically understand what's an issue if you define certain rules uh, in the in the software, or it can just learn from past uh, experience. Uh,
0: you mentioned the matrix, so you know. Uh, model coordination is going to sort of show us a matrix where it can compare multiple models and that kind of reminded me of uh, Our conversation this morning where you were telling me a story about when you created more of a maybe a Less sophisticated matrix. I'd like you to sort of share that story of that that project
1: Yeah, um, so about uh, seven eight years ago I was uh, we were uh, hired as applied software to run clash detection as consultant on a very large project that was in some university campus and um without going too much detail uh i think there's a lot of lessons learned here by understanding how the process went the architect and engineers themselves didn't have time to do this and didn't have the expertise to run the software so we took upon ourselves to become as an outside consultant to help them and augment their design efforts the beauty of this is that we started out early in the design process we were uh, we were there uh, in the early in the design development phase of the project And while the design is still in flux and still uh, dynamic and still moving. And we would run the clash detection once every two weeks and the designers would come back to us and look at the report and they go, they would dismiss the report essentially and say, uh, don't worry about it. We're still designing. And we kind of gave them a little bit of a grace period there. And then finally we started raising the red red alert uh, flag saying, guys, you you don't understand. There is a problem here, you know. So you were involved
0: early. And they still weren't really paying attention. So you effectively were like loading the dishwasher while you're cooking, but not running it. So it was just piling up.
1: Absolutely. So one example of that would be the equipment, the mechanical equipment that was sitting in the attic space under the under the gable roof, uh, would not fit under those uh, structural uh, beams. And we alerted them to that fact, and uh, they they weren't giving that much attention because it was this technology was new to them, and they weren't. They thought the design would still be in flux forever, right? In how designers are.
0: They yeah. never stopped designing.
1: Exactly. Uh, fast forward to the end of construction documents, you know, the same issue came up again. And, and we go, okay, now you understand what we're talking about. It is a serious issue. It needs to be resolved. They, they, they decided to go back to the campus architect and decided to get a variance on raising the, the building height. That, that request was declined. Campus architect said no. As a result, they had to dig down into the ground and and lower the building entrance down and and increase the floor-to-floor height in order to get the clearance they need to put the mechanical equipment up in the attic space. That was a direct consequence of what we have observed over months and months and months of working on the project.
0: So had they acted initially when they were brought up, it could have been resolved? It could
1: have been avoided on the bright side of things for the same team they did a great job in listening to us from that point on and by the time we finished the project and we went through uh you know revision 1 revision 2 and all that stuff there was plenty of time they had between the time when the drawings were issued for construction and the time it was went out to bid so we we gained some time there by the time and they did act on the on the on those uh on those clashes and and resolve them by the time the the contractor internal contractor received the models, they were amazed of how clash free the model is, or near clash clash free, if you will, uh, because there was no such thing as clash free model. Um, it was near clash free, and it had uh, the consequences were were amazing because it meant reduced RFI's, change orders, errors and emissions. Everybody's happy, owner is happy. Uh, you know, we're we're looking after the the. the architects and engineers uh interests we don't want to be sued right for for errors and emissions and 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 change orders and the owner is happy because you don't have to waste time uh, and and money on things that don't matter so uh, it's a win-win situation for everybody
0: so you uh you mentioned you were you were using excel right to uh sort of serve as this matrix
1: yeah, absolutely. So back then, you know, we didn't have this automated BIM 360 next-gen you know model coordination technology. We just used uh, Microsoft Excel to document every two weeks the number of clashes that were generated between two different models. And if you just imagine just a table, a matrix that had uh, you know, on that on the on the row headers we had uh, uh, dates, and the, on the and the and the column headers we had the uh, you know the actual uh, model, model names, and they were clashed against each other, and we would just record just what to, you saw. Just very very meticulously, we would record a number of clashes that would happen between between mechanical equipment and framing, between duct work, pipe work, etc. Even within the same model, between between cold water piping and hot water piping, that can be done as well. That's over o- yeah, over many many weeks, you know, and months of recording that, you start to notice a pattern. Right, Either numbers are going up or numbers going down. Surprisingly, some of the numbers were going up and we were like, in a coordination meeting, it's like, guys, what's going on? And then, and then lo and behold, it turns out the mechanical engineer is adding more ductwork and pipework to the model they didn't have before. Of course, when you add a, a major duct going right through the corridor- It's gonna get a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> you're gonna hit every single structure beam on the way, right? Yep. So, you know, it's a lot of
0: clashes there. Yeah.
1: And then you end up instead of having uh, the numbers going down, going up. And you're, it's, it's not just, you know, just a few. We're talking about hundreds and thousands of, of clashes that are showing up all of a sudden. And those need to be resolved, which essentially means the either the structure has to, to be raised or the, 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 the MEP uh, ductwork pipework have to be lowered down to clear the structure above.
0: So you're talking about how we can you know um in practice resolve the issues, but if we sort of flip back over to looking at uh, bim three sixty and model coordination so uh, you know i I have this matrix and I clash all these things together and i notice there's a bunch of clashes you know how how do, how are those issues actually resolved
1: well uh if it's an issue it is created as an issue it was is given a uh a date a uh uh and uh, it's assigned to, a, to an end user. End user receives an email and with a hyperlink to the model. So they can go and look at it and decide to make, it, make a design decision on what to do next. If it's a, not an issue, it gets, gets archived and becomes case closed, essentially. It doesn't show up anymore. The number goes down at that point. Um, uh, some of the, some of the uh, reasons why it would be not an issue, it could be a valid interference, it could be a valid penetration, it could be a, a minimum overlap uh, between two, two, two objects. Uh, it could be that the model is inaccurate, so you can ignore that. Uh, or maybe the, the, the ductwork can it can flex, so it's okay. It can be adjusted in the field. Or could be a field fix. You take a hammer and you just bang it into into place. Uh, or some other some other reason. So you have to kind of choose which of those reasons would be the reason why you're making it not an issue because... It, when you audit the whole thing at the end of the project, you wanna make sure that you're not missing anything or or you you don't have an end user who is trying to hide uh, problems under the carpet, right? Under the rug. Do you, uh, how do you think we will be able
0: to, so we have all these clashes, how can we learn from these clashes so that we don't continue to do them? I mean, there's some sort of best practices that you've come across that may help, an end user, where they see all these clashes, that they know, okay, what what can I do to keep from this from happening?
1: Yeah. So basically, we recommend that to keep things in the model simple, uh, because when you, when, it, when buildings can can be complex these days with all the different functional requirements. So if you uh, just be aware of the fact that if you can't model it, they can't build it. So if you can't resolve it in a virtual uh, manner, then imagine the imagine what would happen the real real uh, Project uh, on, on the field, where they actually have to, you know, order the sheet metal, form it, and and place and put it in place. So keep it as simple as possible without compromising on the functional requirements of the of the of the project. Also put that uh, those those uh, clash detection protocols inside your uh, BIM project execution plan. That's important because if the, if people don't agree on them, they're not going to do it.
0: So you really sort of, in the very beginning, setting
1: a standard for what's expected. Exactly. So pro- this should be a process that is very well documented. Um, also, uh, I've noticed over the years that uh, people have uh, a lack of understanding of what that means. You know, uh, people don't agree on certain terms. So I think that can be resolved by, you know, having the interns visit the job site more more frequently and understanding uh, what are the the issues uh, and, uh, from from a from a real world uh, experience standpoint um, and uh, most designers in in general uh, are not money conscious they they're don 't understand that uh, their their design decisions have some monetary uh, value uh, so yeah, you can do it, but you know, are you willing to pay for it you know if you, if you make them pay for it then they 'll wake up and suddenly they realize oh that that 's a serious issue. Okay. It's not just the line line work on on paper. Yep. Um, then of course working with the end in mind is important because you know when you're when you're trying to um, you have an idea, if you if you can define what that idea is and work backwards to the current uh, step in the, in the in the project, you can you can design the process and make it as smooth as possible. And there's probably other uh, best practices out there that, that we can talk about, but. Uh, um, this morning also we were, we were talking about another uh, experience I had with a VDC manager. Um, can, can I tell you the, something about that? Yeah. yeah. So uh, this VDC uh, manager um, told us a, a story about design build project that he was working on that uh, it was a, a parking garage. You know, As you know, a parking garage, a floor slabs, floor to floor height are very, very st- stringent. Um so the um the the required clearance distance is six feet eight inches, and when you run these exposed conduits and 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 pipe work through that uh, 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 space uh, it's hard to when you run a clutch detection to find out whether or not you meet that requirement of the of the clearances. so he basically modeled uh the the space the the mass as a as an object inside Navisworks, and was able to uh, clash the physical versus non-physical part of the model, and I thought that was very genius. He called this the, this gave it a nickname called no-fly zone. So you can't you can't run pipe work in the no-fly zone yeah. because you get caught.
0: I, I love that term. I think that's great. Um, it's been a great conversation, Robbie. Um, it, you know, it's really impressive to see what Autodesk has been trying to do with their BIM360 platform. They're really trying to be involved from that very beginning schematic design all the way through even to occupancy of the building. Uh, but it, it seems like that clash detection aspect of it uh, is so critical for overall project success. And if I learned anything today, it's that. You need to start early and then just consistently keep up with it. Otherwise, it gets to the point where really it's overwhelming. And the longer you wait, the more expensive those changes even become. So, you know, again, if we, if we learned anything, it's don't ignore your dirty dishes. Do them while you're cooking. And you should have a better uh, project in the end. Again, I, I thank you for joining me today. Uh, this has been a special edition of the AEC Disruptors podcast, Wake Up With BIM. Always check back for more. You can follow us or find us on iTunes, and you can also follow me on Twitter, the AEC Disruptor. Have a great one.